Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The FT. The holiday pay ruling. Is it quite the bonanza it might seem? How much money should you leave to your children? and how to use salary sacrifice to save tax and boost your income. Welcome to The Money Show, one of the FT's most popular podcasts. I'm Jonathan Ely, and I'll be giving you all the money news this week in downloadable form, with the help of my FT colleagues, James Pickford. Hello. And Josephine Cumbo. Hello. Plus a special studio guest, Emma Burrows, Head of Employment at law firm Trowers and Hamlins. Hello. This week, the Employment Appeal Tribunal ruled that overtime payments must be included when businesses calculate holiday pay for their employees. The case was brought by the Unite Trade Union, which says that employees are being shortchanged because of the way employers in the UK had interpreted the EU's working time directive. However, employer organisations such as the CBI and the EEF said the decision which is still subject to a possible appeal, would increase the costs on businesses and may result in reduced job creation. The government has set up a task force to look at ways to reduce the impact on industry. The ruling will be particularly keenly felt in manufacturing, retailing and blue-collar service industries where overtime is widely used, for instance to cope with big new orders or busy periods such as Christmas. However, the ruling did impose limits on retrospective claims. So, what does it all mean for employees and business owners? Emma Burrows, Head of Employment Law at Trowers and Hamlins, joins me now. Emma, welcome to The Money Show. First of all, there were two uh, separate but very closely linked rulings um, this week. Could you explain for us the, the detail of those, please? Certainly, Jonathan. Um, The EAT case needs to be taken into consideration by future employment tribunal decisions. So it's an important decision, but it perhaps has been slightly overstated, as you imply. The cases that were linked and heard together related to the assessment of what pay is for the purposes of holiday pay. They looked at the situation of one group of employees who were working in road construction and another set of employees who are working in the construction industry and they discovered that those individuals, the claimants in this case, um, had had their holiday pay assessed on their basic pay, not taking into account the regular overtime that they received. The decision is lengthy, it covers a lot of legal ground but it ultimately came down to looking at the different types of overtime that people are paid And in particular, it looked at whether or not non-guaranteed overtime should be included within 
the definition of pay for the purposes of holiday pay and also whether compulsory overtime should be included within the definition of pay. It did find that it doesn't relate to voluntary overtime where the employee has an opportunity to refuse an offer of overtime. Okay, and what about the respective provisions? Because industry was dreading that that this would be backdated all the way to 1998 and there would be multi-billion pound um, claims for sort of holiday pay owed going back 10 years or more. But that's not happening, is it? No, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting decision and there's an awful lot of devil in the detail. They looked at a number of different issues. The first is that it, the, the judgment is very clear that, as in the case of most employment tribunal claims, you can bring a claim in relation to deductions that have been made up to three months before the date of the claim. So if somebody hasn't taken holiday for three months, then they are unable to claim. They can also claim for a series of deductions, but those series of deductions, individual deductions, can only be divided by periods of less than three months. So you can't claim that your holiday last year was at, paid at a lower level and then your holiday in 12 months later was paid at a, hol- hol- at a lower level. You have to claim for a series of deductions that are no more than three months apart. Okay, now that all sounds very much to me like there's not going to be a sort of PPI style uh, claims industry springing up to to sort of manage millions of uh, of. of claims for, for holiday pay owed. Would that be right? Well, I'm sure many of my legal colleagues will be disappointed to hear that. But ultimately, um, I don't think that there will be a PPI style industry. However, a number of our clients have already received letters from Unite and another union asking for information, which implies that they are considering bringing claims. Okay. And um, some of our listeners may be employers. What do they need to bear in mind going forward? Because presumably now they will need to calculate holiday pay in a different way. Yes, I think that's the the primary issue. They have to consider how they currently calculate holiday pay and how they'll do so in the future. They might want to look at their contracts um, and see how they label overtime. And uh, they also might want to do a little risk assessment of what the potential claims might cost. And finally, Emma, um, most of this uh, would appear to uh, apply mostly to sort of blue collar, lower paid workers. And what about in the in the professions where, where most overtime worked, I hate to say it, ends up being unpaid? Uh, well, Jonathan, I'm, I'm sure that uh, the sort of overtime that journalists and lawyers do is entirely voluntary, so it wouldn't be covered by this. Thanks very much, Emma. There's more about the impact of the ruling on our website at ft.com forward slash UK. Still to come on the show, how to use salary sacrifice to boost your income and cut your tax bill. But first, how much money should you leave to your children? The current debate about inheritance tax rather assumes that all parents intend to leave everything they own to their children. But that may not be the case. A few months ago, musician Sting told an interviewer that his six children will get nothing from his estate as he did not want to leave them with what he described as trust funds that would become albatrosses around their necks. Many business leaders, both here and in the US, have openly declared that they intend to leave their fortunes to philanthropic causes rather than spoil their children. Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates has already started the process of divesting his huge fortune. And in a recent survey of over 4,000 readers, the FT found that many of them, too, intended to give money to charitable causes rather than to their children. 
So, how much is too much? And how do you go about informing your offspring, who might be assuming they'll get everything when you die, that you've got other plans? James Pickford has been looking into the delicate politics of bequests. James, what are the most common reasons for wanting to leave an estate or the majority of an estate to someone other than um, what you might describe as the natural heirs? Is it about saving tax? Is it, is it a desire to do good or is it a desire not to want to spoil the children? There is this belief or fear uh, among the very wealthy that wealth or, or extreme wealth has a corrosive effect on ambition. And uh, it was nicely put by uh, William K. Vanderbilt, who was the descendant of the US Railroad uh, dynasty. And this is a chap who was born into a life of unimaginable luxury. Um, He said it was a real handicap to happiness, um, his money. It left him nothing to hope for or or to seek or to strive for. And so this is a real um, worry for for the very wealthy. And some of them will try and conceal the extent of their their wealth uh, from their children. Uh, in, in order to protect them. But where it's not just cash, but uh, a business or an estate that's being hand over, handed over, uh, there are uh, questions over competence. So um, are your children up to the task of actually looking after the inheritance that you're preparing to give them? And of course, do they even want to do so? Is there any sense of, of where the dividing line between providing and spoiling uh, lies? And, and also, um, is this something that's applicable to people who aren't mega wealthy as well? I think that there's not so much of a dividing line as a, as a type of person that tends to take one view and another uh, over another. The, the wealth managers that uh, I've spoken to um, ha, have said that often the self-made business people um, will seek to uh, divert more of their money elsewhere. Uh, will want to will be more fearful of the of the effects of wealth on their children than say uh, the old money, uh, the old wealth, which has uh, has done this over perhaps several generations and and has something that they want to perpetuate, uh, some kind of asset. And it's also we should be careful not to overstate the case uh, as you know. What, Several wealth managers said that the vast majority of people that come into them, uh, the the guiding rule is to try and preserve as much wealth as possible. And um, as we know, it's quite hard to do that, uh, what with tax and uh, the effects of dissipation. Are there any legal issues uh, involved in in shutting uh, your descendants out of your um, inheritance altogether? Well, English law allows you to to do what you want with your money. You can shut them out, but um, it also allows, under the 1975 Inheritance Act, for a, a list of sort of potentially eligible claimants, which includes your spouse uh, and your children, to bring a case if they believe um, believe it had not been uh, fairly apportioned, and therefore that and that makes no distinction uh, between minor children and adult children. You hinted at the um, the challenges uh, inherent in handing over a sort of business generated wealth and how that's a little bit different from handing handing over an, uh, say an estate that's been in the in the family for many years. How does the sort of planning process uh, differ? It certainly, wealth managers say that that actually the distinctions there are less important than the process of communication you have to set up. You have to have a family plan, and you have to get everyone involved in the family plan at some stage and they say that for for what for for either of those categories uh you need when the children are usually university age so in their 20s you need to start involving them in discussions about what will happen to the family wealth and who should take responsibility for what 
Now, obviously, with with businesses, it's, it, it, it may be that you need a higher level of competence to be able to take over a family business in a certain area. Uh, whereas if you're taking a broader responsibility for an art collection or, or some other uh, historic uh, asset, there may be a, a wider pool to draw from. Um, but the main thing is uh, that you start this open dialogue um, as soon as you can and train the younger generation in financial planning and investment. Thanks very much, James. There's more about the pros and cons of leaving lots of money to children in this weekend's FT Money. This is, of course, part of the Weekend FT, which is widely available on both Saturday and Sunday. You can also read online at ft.com forward slash money or on tablet devices using our new web app. We're always keen to hear your views too. Should the kids get it all or be forced to make their own way in life? Tell us what you think. Our email address is money at ft.com. On to our final item for today. A survey of some 200 employers this week found that around half plan to give their staff more flexibility to sacrifice part of their salary. Why would anyone want to do that? Well, in a word, for tax reasons. Salary sacrifice usually entails foregoing a part of your gross salary, diverting it instead to another purpose. Because you don't actually receive the money, you don't pay national insurance on it, and sometimes you can avoid tax too. Childcare vouchers and the bike-to-work scheme are both based on salary sacrifice. But the advent of new pension rules in April next year has brought another dimension to salary sacrifice, especially for better-paid workers. Basically, it's that big chunks of salary could be forfeited and paid directly into a pension fund instead, where they would attract tax relief and then be able to grow tax-free inside the pension wrapper. If widely practised, this could result in a big loss of tax revenue for the government. But how practical is it? Will your employer agree to it? And what happens if your circumstances change? Joe Cumbo has been looking into the details. Joe, do we have any sense of how widely uh, salary sacrificed is used at present? Um, some people were advocating it as a way to avoid the sort of taxation of child benefit when that was introduced a year or two ago. Salary sacrifice is um, most commonly uh, used for things like childcare vouchers where you forego part of your cash and, and that uh, benefit is then diverted into vouchers uh, and that saves you money on the national insurance contributions you would have ordinarily paid had you taken that benefit as cash. Uh, and as you mentioned, it is used um, also to help people purchase bikes uh, and even season tickets as well too. But um, for use uh, for pension uh, contributions, it's not as widely known um, because it is a, it is diverting that um, sa- sacrifice, uh, sacrificing salary into something that is also of a cash benefit to uh, to, to workers. But the reason why it really hasn't uh, taken off is that. Diverting your cash uh, into a pension means that you're losing control of that capital. Um, under the old rules, you have to either turn uh, anything that you built up into a pension pot um, into an annuity or you're stuck putting that in drawdown. So there has been restrictions which have put people off sacrificing salary in spite of the tax benefits uh, from going down that road. And what sort of people should be 
considering this as a, as a sort of pensions planning technique? Well, the potential tax uh, advantages are, are really quite uh, chunky. Uh, for example, if you were to sacrifice £10,000 of uh, your income, if you're in the position to do that each year and you're earning £40,000 uh, a year, you could make savings of £1,200 uh, per year on national insurance contributions and over five years, for example, that could amount to £6,000. Now, this is likely to appeal to someone who is 55 or over because as of next April, once you're 55, uh, you will be able to access your pension any time you wish. So effectively, you could put a chunk of money into that pension and access it the next day. And that overcomes the issues of having your capital tied up. For example, you can carry on putting money into or sacrificing a salary into a pension and access it the next day. Okay, I mean, that all sounds great. Uh, Before I hightail it to my HR department uh, and inquire about salary sacrifice, what are the pitfalls? What sort of things do you need to take into consideration? Well, you've got to be able to um, live, uh, have some opportunity to to live uh, with. You can sacrifice that money into a pension, but I guess you'll have to think about how you're going to take that money out, when you'll take that money out. And effectively, you will be still paying uh, income tax on that money. So in effect, for most people, it's going to be a deferral of income tax even though they're making savings on national insurance contributions. You'll also have to um, think about things, for example, if you're going to go the whole hog and sacrifice all of your salary, how that might uh, impact or affect uh, other personal finance areas that you have, such as um, mortgage. Um, If you're paying off a mortgage, uh, your mortgage lender might want to know what is happening to your salary, for for example. But we're not expecting this to be a fairly uh, common occurrence for people to put in large chunks uh, of their salary or all of their salary uh, into uh, a pension through salary sacrifice because the government has limited uh, the potential to do that uh, with a £10,000 reduced annual allowance for people who do use salary sacrifice into a pension. And how do you go about setting all this up? And are HR departments obliged to to agree to it or is it at their discretion? I don't think there's any obligation to uh, agree uh, for you to do it, but I'm told that um, it doesn't uh, cause too much bother for the HR department to uh, set up uh, an agreement for you. It will involve changing your contract. You'll have to agree to a change of terms in your contract. So that will be written down. It's not something that you can do and change your mind uh, too easily about the next day. You have to think very carefully about how you're going to manage this in approaching HR. But certainly you're within your rights to ask your uh, HR department to consider setting up this um, sacrifice arrangement for you. And finally, there has been some sort of quite scary numbers bandied about um, regarding the amount of uh, tax revenue that the government could lose uh, as a result of this particular ruse. Are those um, estimates likely to to come to pass, do you think, or are they they wildly The the original figures which have been circulating were that up to national insurance leakage for the government from this potentially, if everyone aged over 55 took advantage of the opportunity to sacrifice their pension, it could be up to £24 billion. But employers and their advisers have indicated that they are interested, as you mentioned, then we did get a survey back um, of employers and high 
half of the 200 uh, who were polled about whether they would offer their staff this flexibility said, yes, we're interested in doing this. So that suggests that while it may not be £24 billion, that if even 10% of that um, was achieved, £2 billion, as, as, as is, is being suggested, that, that is quite a lot of tax leakage for the government. And I would suggest that perhaps after, not before the election, but after the election, that this is an area that the government may wish to revisit Joe, thanks very much. There's more on the pros and cons of salary sacrifice in this weekend's FT Money. We also look at Japan's latest bout of monetary stimulus and how to make money from robotics and we've got the first property predictions for 2015. The Money Show will be back next week, but for now it's goodbye from me, James, Joe and our special guest Emma Burrows. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rust-oleum's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves without worrying about drips runs uneven coverage or anything else custom spray five and one only from rustoleum hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.